Mark chapter 4, uh, we've been in our series, Red Letters, and we've pretty much spent all of our time in the book of John. Uh, there are seven I am statements in the book of John, and we looked at a couple of those. We looked at I am the light of the world. Uh, we looked at I am the way, the truth, the life. We've looked at I am the true vine, and anyone that's in me uh, bears fruit. And so we've been looking at some of those I am statements, and because we're moving into February, and how many of you guys know what, what's in February? Come on, if you're married, you better know. If you're engaged, if you're dating somebody, you better know. What, okay, right, it's Valentine's Day, or if you're single, it's Single Awareness Day, correct? Okay. Either way, you know, this month is kind of all about love, right? And so I was, I was doing my best to head into that, uh, that direction, and I was going to look at uh, love your neighbor as yourself. We've been looking at the, the words of Jesus, and so we're going to get there eventually. Um, but as I was studying this week, God just kind of transitioned uh, me to go a different direction, and so it must be for somebody today, so I'm excited to get to it. As you're turning to Mark chapter 4, we're going to start reading in verse 33. But before that, I want to read to you 1 Corinthians 4, 20. Um, reading out of 1 Corinthians 4.20, it's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And actually Mark chapter 4, the portion I'm going to read is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. For the kingdom of God does not exist just in talk, or uh, consists just in talk, but in power. In power. Everybody say power power. Mark chapter 4, we're going to read starting in verse 33, and Mark is, a, is, is kind of a cool uh, gospel because it's a lot shorter, so you can read through it quicker. Now, if it's shorter because he was ADD, um, which some people had questions, maybe he was, because if you look at it, he's like all over the place. It's like immediately this, immediately that, and he's talking about one thing, and then he's talking about another thing. Or, or whether his gospel is shorter because he was one of the youngest writers, we don't know. But one thing we know is this, is that because it's so short, um, those words that were used to, to be put into the Bible were chosen wisely, were chosen specifically. Now we understand that the Bible was written by man under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So God used men uh, under his inspiration to write the Bible. This is one thing you need to note, is that God didn't change who that man was to begin to convey the Bible. He used that person and how they communicated the words they would use to write the pages of the Bible under the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So as we're reading through it, I just want you to take note uh, of some of the words that, that Mark uses. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 33. Hopefully you got your Bible. Um, maybe you're old school and you got one of these. If you're new school, you got a phone or an iPad um, or a Kindle. Um, go ahead and open it up. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 33. Jesus just got done talking about several parables. With many such parables, he, Jesus, spoke the word to them, the masses, the multitudes, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. To the masses, parables. But when he got away, when he pulled away with his disciples, he explained everything. This is the Bible. Verse 35, and on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him, Jesus, with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and waves were breaking into the boats, 
so that the boat was already feeling. But he was in the stern or in the back of the boat asleep on a cushion. Unbelievable. And they woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? In other words, who in the, we, we spent some time with him, but we really don't know who he is. Who is this that he can do this. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is absolutely amazing. God, I pray that in the next few minutes that we have together, that God, you would use me uh, to communicate uh, what I believe you want to speak to, to, to the congregation as a whole, but also to some individuals in this place. God, speak to them from your word. Jesus, use the words that we see right here that you spoke in this passage to minister to somebody today, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Um, I think one of the reasons why God had me go to this passage wasn't just for somebody specifically in this place, but it was for me. Uh, God taught me something out of of this passage this this week, and I I just want to share it it with you over the next few minutes if I can. Uh, I, I like to think of myself as a good dad, a good father. I have two daughters, Cara, 10, Faith, who's eight. And I, I like to involve myself in their life. I like to get involved with what they're doing. Uh, I'm coaching one of my daughter's basketball teams. My wife is coaching the other one. And we're having fun just hanging out with them in that, in that capacity as well as meeting new people. It's, it's just an awesome time. But at home, we have some specific rules. Now, how many parents out there, you have rules for your kids at home? Okay. If not, you should probably integrate some of those things, okay? And so we have some rules at home. There's some simple ones, and then there's some bigger ones. And some of the simple ones are like, hey, there's no jumping on the furniture, okay? That that just, it just doesn't work for me. Butts belong on furniture, right? On couches, not feet. Come on, somebody. Okay, unless it's an ottoman. Put your, someone's got offended because I said butt, huh? I'm sorry. My wife will talk to me later. You know, and so you don't jump up and down. You don't dance on the furniture. That's one of the rules in our house. And so if your kids come over and they start doing that, um, I will just politely ask them, hey, you know, please don't dance on the furniture, okay? Another rule we have is there's no somersaults off the couch, okay? Because that tends to end badly, right? It just tends to end that way. Another rule we have in the house is, is walk in the house. If you are going more than two miles per hour in the house, I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're going too fast. Right? There's, we don't run in the house, and, and we, we, we walk. And so my kids know the rules, and, and, uh, and some of the times they listen to them, some of the times they don't, right? Kind of like you when you're driving. Sometimes you obey the speed limit. Come on now. Sometimes you don't. Those of you that walked in late, we know that you were speeding to church today. All right? And so sometimes they obey the rules, sometimes they don't. And so the other, the other day, Faith was, was doing these somersaults off the couch. And I said, Faith, you need to stop that. We don't do somersaults off the couch. It just, we don't do that here. And, and what did she do? She did it again. And, and she smacked her head when she did it, and she started bawling. Okay? She started bawling. And as she's bawling, um, I step in as dad, and I try to turn this into a teaching moment. Okay? You can ask my wife. I am notorious. 
I mean, there could be blood gushing out of her head. She could be writhing in pain, and I'd be like, see, this is why we don't do that in the house. It's a true story. I, I do it, you know, and I, I, I try to turn it into this, this teaching moment of this is exactly what I'm talking about, faith. She's like, yeah! She's not hearing a word I'm saying, but I'm like, see, this is why. If you would listen and obey, this is why we have those things in place. And it wasn't shortly, you know, too, too much longer after that, that my daughter came running down the hallway, and we have wood floors, and she tried to stop, but she slid, and when she slid, she jammed her toe into the, the, the door jam. And she's like, and I'm, I'm, I just calmly look over, and I say, see, car, this is why we don't do those things. Because this is what happens, right? And I learned something this week that the Holy Spirit began to show me. Number one, they're not hearing anything I'm saying. I'm really not teaching them anything. And as a matter of fact, I probably don't need to teach them anything because the fact that they just jammed their toe and hit their head taught them everything they needed to know. Right? How many know that the, the life of hard knocks will teach you a lot? Right? And you'll do something. Someone told you not to do, but you'll do it anyway. No one needs to come in and say, see, I told you so. Right? Uh, they just need to let you walk out that pain, and then you'll never go down that road, road again. But, but I wanted to teach them something because I'm their father. I'm their, I, I, this is what I need to do. Matter of fact, it was interesting the other day. Um, my, my wife said something about her couch. Hey, don't do that on my couch. And my oldest daughter turned and said, this is dad's couch. <laughs> and while my wife wasn't looking, I looked over at my daughter and went, you know, <laughs> right? And then she looked over, and I'm like, don't say that to your mother, right? And, and she was like, wait a second, this is my couch too. And she said, uh-uh. And she said, well, what makes it dad's couch? Because he paid for it. Because it was his money. And I said, really? So mom did, well, she might make money, but you make the decisions in the house. And I started listening to her talk, and it was really interesting. I said, why do I make the decisions in the house? Well, because you're, you're the male. You're the dad of the house, and that's what dads do. And can I tell you something? I've never once sat down with my daughters and said, hey, listen, what I say is law. Never did that. But they observed, and through observing, they begin to realize these things because I take these moments and turn them into teaching principles. But one of the things the Holy Spirit did to me this week is he turned it into a teaching principle for me. And he got upset with me. And he said, Ben, they don't need you to teach them a principle at this moment. What they need is they need you to go over, pick them up, love on them, encourage them, and, and, and make sure their foot is okay. Are you with me? They don't need teacher dad right now. What they need is comforter dad. What they need is loving dad. What they need is a dad to come in and speak to that turmoil that's in their life right there at that moment. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me this, this week that, that, that too often times we look at Jesus as a good teacher, but we forget that there is something more to being a Christian. We forget that there's something more to being in relationship with Jesus, that there is a power available to us as believers, as Christ followers. That we, we oftentimes begin to forget that the church is so much more than a Sunday morning sermon, as good as it might be. Okay. Right. Something that's more than a Sunday morning sermon, that there is something that happens when we come together. And yes, we begin to look at the Word, and we study the Word. But the Bible says in James, don't just be a hearer of the Word, but be a doer of the Word, lest you deceive yourself. And I begin to get convicted by the Holy Spirit about these moments. And then I begin to look at my walk with him. And I begin to realize something. There is so much more to my Christian walk than just the devotional in the morning. There's so much more to my Christian walk than just showing up on Sunday morning and giving you a good word. There is more available through the cross of Jesus Christ. How many of you guys believe that this morning? I truly believe that there is more. The kingdom of God is not just in 
word. It's not just in talk. It's not just in sermon. It's not just in speech. It's not just in, hey, let me teach you right now. Because sometimes in your life, there's those moments when, when you come in with a broken marriage, when you come in and, and maybe your finances are a wreck, whether it was because of your own decisions or because of something that happened, it really doesn't matter. But when you come into those circumstances in your life, the last thing you need is somebody sitting there, you know what, let's turn this into a teaching moment. What you need is you need the power of God to enter your life, your circumstance, your situation, and begin to do something. Are you with me this morning? The kingdom of God is not just in word, it's in, it's in power. Mark paints a great picture for us this morning. Let's just look real quickly just at the red letters in this real quickly, if we could. Mark chapter 4, let us go across to the other side. Peace, be still. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? If we just looked at those three phrases right there, it already paints a picture for us. I mean, look at it. Let us go across to the other side. What is that saying to us? That's saying that, that, that God wants us to go on a journey with him because he said, let us. It wasn't, hey, you guys go. It was let us. I'm coming with you. Let's go to the other side. Okay, he wants us to go on a journey. We're, we're going someplace with him. That's, that's pretty fantastic. And I've learned something that when God asks us to go on a journey with him, it's not even really about the end point. It's not really even about the destination that we arrive, but it's about the process in which we get there. You all know what I'm talking about. It's what you learned on the way. It's what you learned as you walk this thing out. And in the middle of the journey now, look at his next phrase. These are just the words of Jesus speaking to the disciples. Let's go to the other side. There, there's something new coming. Now look, peace be still. Well, what does that tell me? That tells me as I step out in faith to go where God wants me to go and to do what he's calling me to do, that I'm going to hit some obstacles, that I'm going to hit some resistance, that I'm going to hit some controversy. I, I've learned that. Every time I step out in faith in God, very seldom has it been, hey, go do this. And I'm like, okay, sweet. And I do it. And it's just like, wow, this is the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. I, matter of fact, I can't remember a time it was like that. But the cool thing is, is every time I step out in faith and I hit some obstacles and I hit some resistance or I face some things, listen, you don't have to, you don't have to live a whole lot of life to experience what I'm talking about. Every time he comes in, he says, peace, be still. Peace, be still. I, I'm reminded of the children of Israel in the Old Testament. You remember when, when you know, the, the, the Moses comes to them and he's going to lead them out of Egypt, right? And they're going to go to the promised land. Y'all heard this story before? If not, just rewind a whole bunch of books and just start reading. It's really good. Okay. And he says this, I'm going to take you to the land that's flowing with milk and honey. Come on, somebody. That sounds good, especially coming from what they came from. Bondage, slavery, taskmasters, getting beaten, okay? Having mandatory curfews and, and times you could come in, times you had to go out, times you had to work, times you had to do this. And they're going to leave that and they're going to go to the land flowing with milk and honey. How do you guys think that sounds good right there? One of you. Thank you, Titus. Milk and honey. Maybe you're lactose intolerant. I don't know. But <laughs> milk and honey. And that sounds good to me, man. Milk and honey, you get a little, some tea and some crumpets, come on somebody, that, 
right? Milk and honey. And we think about the milk and honey now. Now, when I hear that story, I just think of like, 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 like honey just flowing out of a hive with no bees. You know what I'm talking about? Right? When you think about the promised land, you think about just honey, just, or like rivers of honey. Come on. Am I the only one that, when you think, who am I talking to today? When God shows up and says, hey, this is what you're going to do, what do you think about? You think about, oh my gosh, that is awesome. Like when God spoke to me to start a church, I'm like, yes, I saw huge auditoriums and stadiums filled with thousands of people. Saw bus ministries going out, picking people up and children. It's like, oh, this is awesome. Okay? I didn't see the process that it was going to take to get there. Is somebody with me? I guarantee you that when the children of Israel like milk and honey, they're thinking like we're going to be bathing in milk, good skin. Come on, somebody. Honey flowing. This is going to be awesome, man. This is going to be incredible. Right? But, but if, you, if you look at it, what they had to do, not only did they have to take out the giants that are in the land, but think about it. Milk comes from where? Cows. Oh. There's a river of milk. No, it comes from a... And wherever there's cow, there's a whole lot of poop. Come on, somebody. My wife grew up on a farm, and I've been there, and I'm like, this is gross. I mean, I, just to be honest with you, I think milk is gross too, but because I'm lactose intolerant, but but in order to get to the milk, you've got to get through the poop. Is somebody with me this morning? You've got to wade through a whole lot of crap in order to get to some milk. That's not the honey for, for anything. Honey doesn't just, you know, there's not a honeycomb tree. They're not just, you know, just a, I know, I just blew somebody's mind. Like, What? No, in order to have honey, you've got to have something called bees. And last time I checked, where there's bees, there's stingers. Come on, somebody. And you've got to get through some of that stuff in order to get to the, the honey. Peace, be still. We're going somewhere. I'm taking you. But you know what? You're going to need me. Peace, be still. But here's the cool part. Look at this last phrase. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no... Faith. In other words, it wasn't about the end destination. It was about the process in getting there. Because anytime God takes you on a journey, he doesn't want to show you a place. He wants to show you himself. Anytime God takes you on a journey, it's not about, hey, look how neat that is or that is. No, it's a process. And that's why the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens another man. Or bees. Or poop. Are you with me? Very seldom is it just God speaks, boom, there it is. Because it's not about what you get. It's about knowing him more. It's about knowing him more. It's not knowing him more. But to fully understand the, the words that Jesus used, let's just take a moment and let's, let's dive in here. And let's look at the rest of the text in between, if we could. Mark said some interesting things. On that day... He said, let us go to the other side on that day, on that day. Why on that day? On that day, he said, let us go. Because he had just got done teaching. He had just got done telling all of these parables and all of these things. And they're sitting there with the rest of the people not understanding what he's talking about, really. But then they got away privately, and he explained all things to them. 
And how many know that, 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 that God's a really good teacher? And if you have a really good teacher in school or in class, a really good teacher doesn't just teach you content, they give you a test to see if you comprehended what you just heard, right? And so he gets done teaching them, and then and now on that day, at that specific moment, actually at evening, we'll talk about that in just a minute, he says, hey, we're going to take a test. We're going to head out and take a test together. And so they embark on an object lesson, and they head out. Crossing over speaks of going to a new place, a new level, really. Old Testament crossing over the Jordan. New place, new level. Let us go. Cool thing you got to remember is this is he said, let us go. When it's a God journey, let us go. He never tells you to go alone. Matter of fact, Hebrews 13.5 says this, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. How many guys are thankful for that one right there? No matter what you're walking through, no matter what you're going through, guess what? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let us go on that day, on that day. It's a test, but you can't have a testimony without a test, right? It's a test. Let's go take a test, and so they head out, and I want you to notice the very next words here um, when he says, let us go across to the other side. It says, and leaving the crowd, and leaving the crowd. Mark, Mark, Mark uses these words, and leaving the crowd. It's interesting to note that every time that God asks us to embark on a journey to go out and do something, it usually goes against popular census. It usually goes against maybe oftentimes what makes the most sense. But this is what everybody else is doing. And leaving the crowd. They had to leave the crowd in order to embark on this journey. It's usually not the most popular idea. It's usually, I mean, yeah, there's safety in the multitude of counselors, and we should approach things that way. But a lot of times, the journey that God has you on makes no sense to anybody else. Right? They don't fully grasp it because it's the journey he has them on, not the journey he has you on. And so it's just, oh, it's biblical. It's in context. But it doesn't necessarily flow with culture. Right? It's, it's a little bit unpopular, maybe. To do that. My, my, my oldest daughter is going through that right now, uh, trying to be good parents. Uh, she went into fifth grade, and fifth grade's a whole step up from fourth big time at the, her school. And there's like, like seven books she has to read this year with book reports. And so being good parents, uh, on day one meeting the teacher, I said, hey, can you email me the books that they're going to read? Because I want to look at them and see if I want her reading them or not. And he was like, yeah, happy to do that. And so he emailed them to me, and, and out of the seven books, one of them, there was just absolutely no way she was reading it. And I won't mention the name of the book in case you read it and I offend you. But let me just tell you, it wasn't the Bible, all right? <laughs> she had the, I mean, we, we investigated, and we're like, there's no way she's reading this book. And so right up front, we said, hey, she can read these six, but this one she's not going to read. He said, okay, well, when the time comes, we'll find a, a different book for her. And so sure enough, time's coming. It's the next one to reading. He said, hey, um, I, I really wish you'd reconsider. It's a great book. And I'm like, no, it's not. And she can't read it. And so they came up with a second one for him. Now, here's the thing, though, is, is they actually listen to it in class as well. And then they have a discussion. So there's about an hour and a half every day where she's going to have to leave her classroom, separate herself, and go sit in another classroom. But I love my daughter enough to cover her ears. 
And what's so cool is last month, the kids' ministry, we have a phenomenal kids' ministry, just got done going through the series entitled Weird. <laughs> True. Talking about how as believers and Christians, we're different from everybody. And they use the word weird there. I mean, I don't want you to go around saying, hey, I'm a weirdo, okay? But <laughs> tell them you're a Christian. Don't say, hey, I'm a weirdo, okay? But we taught them through this thing. And so going into this conversation, it was perfect. It was a God thing. So going into this conversation with my daughter, she was like, dad, that's okay. I don't mind. I understand. She's like, wow, you have an amazing mother. Come on, somebody. And so sure enough, she's not going to do it. That, what is that? That's sep leaving the crowd. That's separating. So they left the crowds. But now check this out. Check this out. The Bible says they took him along just as he was. Just as he was. They took Jesus along just as he was. Now, I don't really quite know what they're trying to convey there. Was it, you know, he was really tired because we find him asleep in the boat, so they took him along tired? Was it the way he was dressed and they took him along the way he was dressed? Was he was hungry? They took him along the way he was hungry. What I think it means is this, though. They took him along just as he was. If we look at the text leading up, what was he? He was teaching them. He was explaining all things to them. To the point where we read further into the story, I think we can get some more clarification on this. When the storm hits and they're being overtaken by the waves and by the wind and, and all this stuff, it's breaking into the boat, what do they do? They go over and they say, teacher! Could it be that they were bringing him along as teacher? Hey, let's bring the teacher with us. A couple things wrong with that is, is uh, we're not supposed to take him anywhere. We're supposed to follow him everywhere. He's the leader. The second thing is this, is that they took him along as teacher. Now how many know when you're in those moments where you just stubbed your toe, you just whacked your head, you don't need dad to teach you something. You need the almighty, all-powerful one to come in and speak to some circumstances in your life. They took him along. And other boats were with him. Other boats were with who? Him, Jesus. Other boats were with him. They had him in their boat. They're going across at his word. But, but, but Mark makes mention of the fact that, you know what? It wasn't just them. There were other boats with him. There were other boats following him, not following the disciples, not following the boat. It doesn't say there was other boats with the boat. There was other boats with him. And I think if we miss this point, ladies and gentlemen, we miss something very important. Because they have Jesus with them, although they don't realize really who they have. And the other boats did not have Jesus in the boat, but what they were doing is they were following him. They were with him. They were in the same body of water. They were heading in the same direction. They were on the same course. And, 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 and we need to make note that therefore they were in the same storm that was ready to hit. They were in the same chaos that is about ready to take place in Mark chapter 4. They, they didn't have him, but they were with him. And we need to notice that, people, because as the church, we have him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have him, but although others don't have him, they're looking for him. And they're doing their best to follow him. 
but it is the disciples in their boat that are carrying him. And as they carry him, they are following him. And what the disciples end up doing does not just affect them, but it affects everyone in the water. It's a storm. And how they handle this circumstance or situation does not just affect them, but it affects all of the boats with him. You've got to catch that. Because once again, the reason culture is the way culture is, is not because the devil is that powerful, the enemy is that great. The reason culture is the way it is, is because we are much like this picture. We have Jesus in the boat, but we only know him as teacher. We don't recognize who we really have, and people are looking at us, following him as they look at us, but we're not doing anything. Good preaching. They were with him. They were doing their best to follow him. But in that storm, they didn't have Jesus in the boat. The disciples did. Disciples. See, here's what we need to recognize. I need to recognize as a pastor, I'm really not that followable. I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. That's what I love about word. You go to correct something. And you can do the spell check, or you can just add it to the dictionary. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I've gotten to the point where I just add it. You know, I'm, so, I'm tired of seeing the red lines and everything. I write is add, 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 add. Perfect. Making a whole new dictionary up for myself. It's awesome. Followable. I'm not that followable. Come on, tweet that, somebody. Okay? But Christ in me is. But if I don't understand who I have, if I don't understand who I am in him, because he's really the one that has me, if I don't understand that, the world looks to the church and is like, eh. He's a good talker on Sunday mornings. I mean, let's, let's be honest. How many times you talk to somebody who goes to churches and they're like, why do you go there? Oh, because the dude is an awesome communicator. Cool. I mean, that's good. I'm glad that's why you come to campus, but... Um, I'm just joking. Come on, people. God. I know it's because I'm funny. But how many times you talk to somebody and they're like, oh, I go to the awesome communicator. When's the last time you say, hey, when you go to church, oh my gosh, because the power of God is present. And like I went there and someone prayed for me and I got healed. And, you know, I went there and I, you know, I had lupus and they prayed for me. Come on, somebody. And, and I got healed. I went there and I couldn't have a baby. I tried to have a baby and it just never happened. And they prayed for me. I guess what? I had a baby. Let's just be honest, when's the last time? Right? Many boats with him. Other boats with him. Look at this one. In a great storm, windstorm, right? You, you with me? You looking at the boat? A great windstorm arose, and waves were now breaking into the boat so that they were freaking out. And notice now, it's a great windstorm. That's that, that word there in the Greek is megas. It's where we get the word mega. This is a huge storm. This isn't like, you know, just, oh, man, the wind's blowing a little bit. There's some waves, and it's kind of bad. No, this is a great storm. This is big. Now, you've got to know that, that Mark is writing about this in retrospect. He's looking back. He lived through it. He went through it. And this is a great windstorm. Big, bad. This is ugly. This is not good. Oh, by the way, did we mention that Jesus told us to leave at evening? It was dark. The nerve of Jesus. 
He waited. He taught them, and then he waited till evening, checked his clock, and said, yep, God, yeah, let's do this. He said, hey, guys, let's go out in the boat. It's dark, I know. And you got to understand something. God incarnate in the flesh in Jesus Christ knew that there would be a storm coming. And he waited till nighttime where you can't see. You don't know where you I mean, you can't even see the stars. Why? Because there's clouds. There's a storm. You can see nothing. It's dark. And in that moment, he says, hey, let's go out. And he had to know that there was going to be a storm approaching. Can you say test? And this is a test of your faith. Right? Test. Great storm. And the Bible says, and now the boat was beginning to fill with water. They were being overtaken by the waves. They were being overtaken by, by the storm that was so great. It is crashing upon them. It's ugly. Now, I, I know that it's a great storm, but it takes a minute for the boat to get water in. Are you with me? It's now this like storm, boom, water. The storm is happening. Now the boat is about ready to break. There's water filling it up. It is, it's dark. They can't see anything. And now the water is coming into the boat. In other words, they had been dealing with this storm for a little while. They had been dealing with it for a little while. They had been trying to do it on their own. They have been trying to bail out the water. Let's, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's get the water out. Man, there's water coming. They've been trying to handle the circumstance, the situation on their own. Have you ever found yourself in that position before? Where a circumstance, a situation, and, and they're now literally working it by themselves. And right there in that moment, waves crashing in. They're fearful for their life. Lost all hope, have no vision of where the shore is at. And they approach Jesus and they say, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? In that moment, what they were saying is, Man, we need another hand to help bail out some water right now. They have Jesus in their boat, but they have absolutely no idea who he really is. They have absolutely no clue who's really in the boat with them. Teacher, Hey, you, you know, you taught us, yeah, we need your help right now. Could you help bail out some water? Could you help? And there they are, probably clinging to everything they can. All hope is lost. No direction, not, not knowing, knowing where shore is at. And in that moment of devastation, in that moment, picture it, the waves crashing in, clinging onto anything they can because they think they're about to die. In that moment, Jesus steps up and he utters probably the most simplistic but powerful words he could ever utter. And he looks at their circumstance and their situation, and he says, peace be still. Red letters. Peace be still. Peace be still. Have you ever gone through something so devastating in your life? where you're just clinging on to something, hoping you're going to make it to the other side, not even really knowing where the other side is at? Have you ever been in a, in a circumstance or a situation where you didn't need teacher, but you needed God Almighty to stand up in your circumstance and say, hey, peace be still. Peace be 
still. But it wasn't until they came to the end of themselves. We can't do this. Not even fully knowing who he was. It wasn't until they came to the end of themselves, unable to deal with the circumstance, that he rose up and said, peace be still. Peace be still. Because see, sometimes you don't need Jesus to step in in those moments and say, let me teach you a principle here. Although he uses it later. Sometimes you just need God Almighty to speak into the storm of your life and say, I got you. I've got you. Peace. Be still three little words. Now watch this. It goes from a great storm to great calm. Look at it, it's in the Bible. It goes from great storm, we're going to die, I don't see where I'm going to, peace be still, boom, great calm. I love it. When he speaks into your life, he doesn't just get rid of the storm and take things back to where they were. He gets rid of the storm and one's upset and says, look, you thought you knew what calm was? You thought you knew what provision was? You thought you knew what healing was? You thought you knew what restoration was? Look at this. I'm going to give you something greater. Great storm, peace be still. Great calm. Great calm. Great calm. And he speaks into the storm of their life. And he speaks into that devastating moment. Three simple words that I believe he's speaking to somebody this morning. Peace be still. Peace be still. And if you recognize what happens, not only does the wind stop and the waves stop, but the disciples stop. Because the peace and the stillness he wants to bring isn't what's taking place out there, but it's what's taking place in here. And they stopped bailing out the water. They stopped working. And in awe and bewilderment, looked at him and said, who are you? Who are you? that aha moment when you realize that Sunday morning is so much more than a sermon. That aha moment when you realize that he's more than a teacher. He's the God of the universe. And if he speaks into my life, peace be still. All the chaos, all the confusion goes to a great calm. God, we thank you for your word today.